hello everybody and welcome back to episode 14 of the art of hospitality excited to get going today scott what is going on in your neck of the woods Ah, another good week. This week is a good one for us, Conrad. So ultimately, and we'll maybe get into this later, but we put our vacay rank survey to the test this week and we turned away our first owner because they weren't a match for us. Outside of that, we've got a lot going on the Casago Del Mar side, dealing with some antics from a big brand. I won't say their name, but their stock is terrible. So we'll let people figure <laughs> out who they are. Just dealing with kind of and fitting into where this conversation's going to go, just how they're handling owners that are leaving and what they're doing to the guests is has been high on our list of things to do this week. But for us, it's all traction and all good and super excited about today. Two really great people joining us. So I'm pretty pumped up about it. Yeah. What's the expression? Like you can't make, you can't make what is it, eggs without cracking a few or breaking a few or something like that. So maybe that's what you're discovering a little bit is that there's companies out there that have to break big eggs to try to make progress. Adam, so. what's the, how are you feeling? Yeah, how are you feeling? What's going on down there in the beautiful Outerbanks? Yeah, as usual, happy to be here, but definitely a lot of progress on our side. So last week we were out on the road, Scott and I, we were in Branson, Missouri, locking up a partner out there from a couple different perspectives. They're going to help us on the sales side from the vacation club side, but also a huge partner with inventory. So we've completely locked up Branson, Missouri from a, a tan inventory perspective. And as we've talked about in the past, we're trying to do this in just about every vacation rental market out there, looking for partners. Eventually we'll get to an area where we can lock it up like we did in Branson. We're close to that in Myrtle Beach, but we're looking for partners like that in just about every location. So it's exciting to see that progress and how quickly that's happening. On the youth sports update, we did not have any games last week due to spring break, but we will be regaining a couple soccer games this weekend. I did get a chance to travel out to Boone, which I'd never been to. And it's always nice to stay in other vacation rentals and just get a sense for that. So we were in an A-frame out there for a couple of days. Grandfather Mountain, which is absolutely gorgeous. If anybody's out in the western part of North Carolina, it's amazing. It's worth the trip. But it's just nice to be in vacation rentals and see how they're run. And so I had a chance to do that with the family for a few days. But good to be back in the saddle. Good to be here. And to echo Scott's thoughts, today's discussion is pretty exciting. I'm excited to get going with it. Yeah, like you're hitting like the all underrated destination list. You got Branson in there, you got Western North Carolina, not always talked about as like the big markets, but great markets to dive into. Maybe Adam, right back to you then. Let's talk a little bit about what we're going to, we have the story arc, we're many chapters deep, and I would love for you to tie today's episode and our guests are going to join us here in a second into that story arc. How do you feel today's discussion fits into this culture war that we're talking about? Yeah, I think today's discussion will probably touch on a lot of different threads that we've been pulling on throughout a number of different episodes. I'll specifically reference the discussion in episode 10 with Steve Schwab that started this culture war discussion that we've been carrying on for a few episodes now. And that's also where we started to coin the terms good actors versus bad actors. So I think we're going to touch on all that. We'll touch on vacation rental culture war. We'll try to define good actors and bad actors. We'll touch on vacation rental communities. We'll start to think about creating professional standards. We'll talk about aligning expectations. We'll dive into some loyalty discussion. So I think we're going to cross a lot of different paths with this one. I think it's going to touch on a lot of different episodes. So if you hadn't had a chance to listen to some of the previous ones, definitely worth a listen. But specifically, touching back to the episode 10 with Steve Schwab is a good starting point for this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that makes sense. And these aren't small topics, but I think we're talking to people today that can give us a lot of outline there. So let's get going. We have two guests joining us today, Rebecca Lombardo and Travis Wilburn. So we'd love to kind of have intros from both of you. And then most importantly, we need a little intro, a little background. We'd love to hear about the 100 collection, of course, and then also share a song that best describes you. 
Rebecca, you're first on my screen, so I'll pick on you first if that's okay. <laughs> I'm going to go right with Girl on Fire. <laughs> I listen to that song all the time. Love it, love it. So I have a background in digital marketing and branding. I've worked with several Fortune 50 and Fortune 100 companies to work on enterprise analytics in terms of like social media. So really getting to understand and listen to the guests and customers and then just digital marketing overall since its inception and then joining the 100 Club. <laughs> It was a wink at Travis. He doesn't like the 100 Club. It's like 100 Collection, 100 Collection. Since pairing up with Travis and being able to launch into this effort and put my love for the vacation rental industry and the vacation rental managers, first and foremost, to be able to elevate all of their brands and work with the best of the best has been fantastic. So thank you for inviting me. Yeah, no, we're excited to have you here. Travis, I'll go your direction. A song the best describes you and a quick overview of the collection. God, I'm like, I'm going inside of my head in between Eminem, Lose It, or Don't Stop Me Now. <laughs> I'm having a good time. The, it's been, it's, I've, just, I've been in the vacation rental space since 2007, professionally, since 2010, and built a little little empire of tourism and hospitality-related companies here in Charlottesville, and had my finger on the pulse of the vacation rental space, if you will, for you know quite a bit of the time. And um, you know, heard a lot of rumblings about, hey, what we need to do and what we should do. And we just decided that we would do it. And fortunately, I was able to find an awesome co-founder this past summer. And we were able to, to launch the 100 Collection back seven days before VRMA. But this was an idea that was born out of the beginning of 2019. So here we are, excited for the conversation. That stock price that you're talking about, it's... Uh, I think it's interesting because wait until first quarter reports come out if you want to talk about stock prices. And, and of course, I'm excited uh, to be, you know, in any conversation that involves Steve Schwab. He's absolutely such a great actor in the industry. And so um, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. The report, there's one number on that report that would have me interested, which is cash on hand versus market cap. The question that I would have for said company, as I'm kind of supposed to say the name, maybe let's keep the bid going, is will the cash on hand exceed the market cap of the company? That is not a given, like that was the case last quarter, that will not necessarily be the case this quarter, which you could then make the argument that said company is actually would be best, the best capital allocation would be to shut it down and return all the money to the investors because it's basically worth less than the actual money they have in the bank account. And this does happen, by the way. There's public companies that have that. I think Wish is one that fits that criteria. So that's not unprecedented. So you know, I, we'll see where it all yeah, goes. But, to that. Yeah. Conrad, I think the churn is what I'm really interested to see in first quarter. Right. And then I just, whatever that company might be, it's like I, I've said it time and time again. I think the best thing it could do is turn into an OTA and sell all of its properties back to local management companies. And they could actually put a little bit more cash on hand. But it'll be interesting to see how they shake it out this year. Yeah. I'm aligned with you perfectly, Travis. I've wrestled with which way they would go. I've been a turnaround guy for a while. And so I had a little bit of like, all right, let's see what this new guy does. And then you look at it and go, oh, never mind. It's nothing. So they should just go to the OTA and push push properties back to the local folks on the ground. Yeah, there's, there is technology there. There is interesting. Yeah, there's like compelling pieces to the puzzle there. It's not just a total issue-laden thing, but it's obviously... The market, the public is voting, right? If we want to go back to the stock price note and the public doesn't seem to be voting with a lot of confidence. So, you know, like Travis said, let's see where it all goes. But I wanted to go down a different path here, Travis. You and I chatted one-on-one a few weeks ago, not knowing that you were going to be coming on here. And I compared the 100 collection to a Michelin star. 
And my logic was that it's hard to earn a Michelin star. You can, of course, earn, earn multiple Michelin stars. And I thought that was like an apt comparison of the two. You said yes at the time, but now that we're recording, I thought I'd ask you again and you know, still feel like, uh, I still want to go down that path and feel like, is, is that a good way to describe it for people that don't exactly understand what we're talking about when we say that? Is earning this kind of like a restaurant earning a Michelin star? What are your thoughts on that? Yes, 100%. I think the funny part about it is, though, as I was talking about this, Rebecca and I were having a conversation with who is now our head of PR, which ironically is the same person that ran the Michelin star and the James Beard. And during that conversation, she's like, you're the Michelin star of Vacation Rentals. And I'm like, nice. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that is what we are. And just like the Michelin star, it's, it's all about experience. And so this is one of the questions I love asking people all the time. It's like in our industry, we have over 17,000 brands in the U.S. alone, right? And it's really tough to remember the local brand, especially when it's beach this or see that or snow or whatever it might be. But everybody remembers, I asked the question, like, have you ever eaten a Michelin star restaurant? Yes. Like, What's the name of it? And they take, they pause. And so that's exactly what it is that we're trying to do is just give them something to remember. So mm -hmm. fun little project ahead of us. But yes, Conrad, we would call ourselves uh, the Michelin star of the vacation world space. Yeah, no, I like that. So you, you mentioned that, I think you did mention something about Steve Schwab earlier. Did you guys have a chance to listen to that episode? And if so, what kind of what were your thoughts about the themes that Adam was saying a few minutes ago, just the idea of good actors, bad actors. Curious your reaction to that, Travis, first. And then we'll <laughs> Rebecca? <laughs> yeah, Rebecca, um, you're right. Nice. It's okay. Yeah, no, I enjoyed listening to the episode because I think that what Steve is putting forward is helpful for the industry overall. So clarifying the difference between good actors and bad actors and understanding that there is a differentiation it is parallel to what Travis and I are working on with the 100 Collections. Steve's thoughts and our thoughts along those lines are going to be really important to, to differentiate. So that was my main thing was like, yes, differentiation, clarity is going to be really important. We've got to take it. This conversation is great to have inside the industry, but we've got to take this conversation outside the industry as well. Adam, do you think we've done a good job of defining what it means to be a good actor or a bad actor? Or do you think that's something that we can continue to refine? Or what are some like, characteristics that you would assign to a good actor? Yeah, I think I'm still trying to define that as well, Connor. And I, I'm having a difficult time getting a specific definition. But at the same time, I don't know that we need a specific definition either. I think that to some of this is a gut feel and intuitive and understanding what's pushing the industry in the right direction versus the wrong direction. So I might pull it back just a little bit and go back to Travis and you mentioned, Travis, that you had your finger on the pulse. You started hearing some things in the industry about what we should do or what should be done in the industry. And that was one of the reasons that was a catalyst to start down the path of the 100 collection. What were some of those things that, that you were hearing from the rest of the industry? Or what was the premise behind the 100 collection when you started to think about it in 2019? At that time, that company with that low stock price was buying up everybody and creating competition. And as you talk to these local partners, there was a lot of fear out there of having to compete against a really large giant. And I would just say at best, they were Amazoning the local markets. And there is take a lot of issue with it because we also knew internally in the industry that they were also nickel and diming those owners. And most local people that represent those local owners are going to do their best job to represent that local community, if you will. And that just simply was not happening. And uh, I'd say that was one of the big rumblings. And then TA dominance 
which is the same thing. People have heard me talk about this before, but this happened in the airline and hotel industry in 2010-11. Just where I sit right here, a great friend of mine was a, the, the person that built the company that RoomKey, the tech that RoomKey used to be able to compete against OTAs. And that was six really large hotel brands partnering together to reduce fees. And we've got to, my, my thought has been, we were talking about direct bookings then and we're still talking about it today, and now we're talking about more than we ever have. And over the last eight months, you know, the stuff that we were talking about with one of the OTAs having too much dominance and not enough rules, and we can go on and on on this. We've watched in the last eight months what happens when bad actors don't, A, don't control supply. And now it's we're in this world of being at a coin toss in regards to any type of conflict remediation, if you will. And so th there was frustration four years ago. There's, if It's only multiplied in, in, in my mind. Yeah, and maybe that's interesting, Conrad, to go back to your question about defining sort of good actors versus bad actors. And maybe we've got a little bit of a definition there in the sense that we've got two large actors that are in the industry that are on each side of the spectrum, one on the professional management side and then one on the individual host side of things. And I think they both live in those camps pretty strongly. And to some degree, they're both undermining what we're trying to do as professional managers on a regular basis. So the example that Travis just gave was buying up companies and really lowballing what some of those companies should be doing. When they're entering the market and doing that, that's going to change that market in a number of different directions. One, it's going to bring in just that premise of trying to be the lowest price in that particular market, whether that's buying a company or whether that's hiring the right contractors or whether that's driving the individual rooms down on a regular basis. And we're seeing this now, right? As the economic pressure comes in, if you own a majority of that market, you control that pricing and you're going to drive the pricing down pretty quickly because you're playing the quantity game, not the quality game. So I think we're seeing that on the professional management side. And then on the other side, to Travis's point, I think we're seeing that on the OTA side. And that's been part of the issue that I've seen is we see a huge influx in supply, not only from a supply side, from a home, a vacation rental perspective, but we're also seeing a supply of managers that have entered this industry. And, and these managers don't necessarily know what they're doing. And I've listened to a couple of the episodes that you guys have recorded recently, Travis and Rebecca, and it's interesting to hear the way that some of these managers that seem to be more aligned with OTAs, more aligned in the camp that I would call hosts versus professional managers, the way that they think and talk, they seem to have this arrogance about them. And it's, a, it's an arrogance that I've seen previously in the industry coming from the hotel sector. This is more along the lines of the average person hops in and says, hey, this is really easy. I can do this because I can put it on the OTA my cost of acquisition for the clients is really low. It's super easy for me to do this. I don't know why you professional managers that have been doing this for 30 years are having such a hard time. Just look at how good I do this at one property. And those mentalities, I think, when I go back to your question, Conrad, about good actors versus bad actors, I think it's the arrogance to come in and do these things and think that you can do them and think that we haven't all thought about the processes and the standards that we have in place. And as a result, that arrogance, I think, is eroding some of the standards and some of the processes and the overall guest and homeowner experience of this industry, that's what's the ultimate jeopardy, the experience of the end user, the guest and the homeowner. If we can't get this right, if we have bad actors, whether they're professional bad actors or they're individual bad actors, they're gonna create bad experiences, which in turn is gonna reduce the number of people that are willing to come and stay at vacation rentals, but it's also gonna put a spotlight on regulations. And I think that's what we're seeing 
from both ends of the spectrum right now. And that's why brand is so important. Think about if you thought about like outside our industry, pretend like it's a jewelry industry and you've got like a local government meeting happening. And you've got Tiffany's, a representative from Tiffany's showing up and you've got a representative from Joe and Joe's jewelry store. Like you have no idea about Joe and Joe's jewelry store, but like clearly it wasn't Tiffany's causing the problem because that brand has a reputation that comes with it. And I think that's the shining light that that Steve and all of us are on the same page of in terms of good is going to win out because we are, you know, Casago and 100 Collection are, we're bringing that brand association to the industry on a white horse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's missing. It's almost gone. When we can look in and our biggest sales pitches we're opening Ocean City is, no, we're good at hospitality and we'll take care of your stuff. If that's the winning sales pitch. Things are, not, things are not good, right? Things are not good. I was having a oh. call today, Scott, with someone, and I was talking about the example of, you see this at like car rental places where there's like a sign on the wall and it's like, we value the customer and we give good customer service. And there's a line of 85 people waiting to rent a car and you're going to be standing there for three hours. So it's, or it's like you call, you call the service number and the, maybe one of these OTAs makes you call sometimes to resolve a guest issue. And it's like, your call is important to us. And I'm like, if your call is important, wouldn't you make me wait like 20 minutes, not like two hours? So it's like what you say and what you do. So maybe Travis, you have thoughts on that. What, what people say is one thing. But what they do matters more, right, in, in your view? Oh, absolutely. I think that we can take this in so many different directions. And the, yeah, Tina, just back to the community standpoint, it's like when you're a part of your community, what you do and what you say, you're going to be judged, right? And so people are going to connect. If you're a bad actor within your community, you're going to get kicked out of your community. And, you know, a lot of these groups that we're talking about are, completely invisible to the community. And um, going back to what Adam was talking about in regards to just different fees and stuff like that, one of the things that made me think is, man, how often I have to meet with my local tax folks who are having the, the toughest time of their lives right now trying to disseminate the actual tax information that they're getting because it's now there's an agreement with the state and the state probably has an agreement to have a reduced tax rate. And it's like, how did that happen? We've been doing this for 15 years, paying all of our taxes to the penny, been audited numerous times. It's like now they've lost the ability to actually to do that. And that creates a whole other frustration that then creates regulations coming full circle. As Rebecca and I have interviewed, what, over 150 VRMs at this point? And I will say this, every single one of them has mentioned labor as an issue, but 50 to 55% have mentioned regulations all directly related to, to, to one OTA. So where do you guys stand on regulations? And I know that's a loaded question, but what are your thoughts on it? I tell you one thing that might solve a lot of our issues is if all OTAs were required to put the license number of the property or the sales tax number, yeah. and we'd start seeing people disappear. We were talking about the two different generations, and one of the things, this new generation of what we can just refer to as the host, is what I'm amazed at is the fact that they're just willing to do whatever it takes to be able to put a property on a platform with no rules. And that's also creating a lot of different issues. And if you think about that one particular platform, this is the way that I love to simplify it. It's like you had the old listing platform and then you had the new listing platform. The new listing platform, all they really did was attach a credit card machine to the listing. 
And when we started all of our companies, it's like we had to go put all of our information forward, all of our licenses to be able to get underwritten by their credit card company. They just basically have been operating the same exact way for close to 15 years by not requiring that, that the same rules that we have to live by. Yeah, we had to dust up with uh, that OTA just last week on the TAN side. So we had someone go in, a client of ours, go in, grab grab a bunch of inventory and posted it on this OTA, right? So like they're the owner. And then the city comes trolling through. I think most cities now have a crawler that's just checking. And next thing we know, we have a reach out that we're in violation. We don't have a license. We don't have this. Where's our taxes? And you look and go, that person was able to just grab a handful of weeks, like eight weeks of inventory and put this on an OTA. No license information, no details. And again, it's, the city is calling us only because they're calling to figure out why we're skirting regulation. It, it's insane. Well, yeah, Scott, to, to that same example that you just pushed forward, I, I'll call him out, CJ Stam of Southern Comfort Vacation Rentals out in Drew's, Georgia, a great friend of mine. I'd argue a great pro in the space. I can't say the same thing about myself, but we had to go meet somebody else on an island recently. And both of us booked on that platform because we had to be in a very specific location. And I think it was, what, 36 hours before our arrival, we got an email from uh, that said person that said, I'm sorry, sometimes we can't get a hold of the owners and they die. Literally, like it's on my LinkedIn post, but both of us got the exact same email. And of course we're like, go figure, no big deal. I mean, silly us. That's what we should have expected. But my huge issue with that is that if that's a guest that's experienced our industry for the very first time, yeah. that's a guest that's gone, right? Like those are the ones that are going to go back to the hotels and the safe place. Yeah. It's happening. Go ahead. We put together a, an article with Rent Responsibly, and it was like there was a differentiation between kind of the reactive and proactive approach to regulations. So it was like reactive is go out and get noise monitoring, go out and figure out a way to take care of trash, go out and figure out a way to take care of parking. Those seem to be like the reactive pieces versus the folks that are setting the gold standard for local regulations are taking the proactive approach. And I guess that kind of goes with anything. But if you really do want to set the gold standard for local regulations, what can you do? proactively. And that first and foremost requires you to be in the market. Well, Travis, you mentioned, Rebecca, I was going to ask you, sorry, Conrad, Travis, you mentioned community and we brought up a couple communities now. So I'm curious about how you guys look at the 100 collection. So we've mentioned Casago. We're a member of that community and we wholeheartedly support that perspective. And that's the way Steve and Ryan have built that is through community. Rebecca, you just mentioned rent responsibly, clearly another very good actor in the industry that's trying to build a community around what they're trying to do to move the industry forward. Are you guys thinking about the 100 collection as a community? I've heard you mention as an alliance. Is there a difference there? How are you guys viewing the 100 collection? I, I refer to it as an alliance. It's we're all agreeing to these things, right? And we're, the partners that we're working with are already there. And so it's like going out and finding the partners that are already there. And we all mutually agree that this is where the gold standard is. And then inspiring everyone else to rise up to meet that gold standard. So that's how I've been ref referring to it. And most importantly, before we even look at the company, we're looking at the people that are part of that community that are setting that gold standard and that know the local coffee shops, the local restaurants. They're a host sitting in New York and 
managing properties in New Orleans, Miami, and everywhere else, it's like they're not they're not exactly who we're looking at. And so it's we start with the people as that gold standard before we look at the properties. Yeah, I like the alliance. Travis, I think it was Verma probably back in October. I heard you talking a lot about it. And I like the fact that it's building this alliance to start to stand up together. We live in such a fractured world, right? And then we've got the OTAs driving some animosity. We've got the big brand driving some animosity. Yet we stay as a group pretty dispersed. And I think certainly what Casago is doing and what I've seen you and Rebecca doing, that we're starting to close that gap, right? And look and say... Now we're starting to stand together on more and more points. And that's why I like the alliance side of it. Because I do think it's time for us to stand up and it's time for us to say, this is the good way to do business. These are the people we're aligned with. And you don't cross these people. You don't cross this standard. This is the expectation. I think that's the missing piece. I heard you talk a lot about that at Burma. I think it's critical. I think instead of living in this fractured environment, we've got to start coming together. The good actors have to come together here and retake this industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey listeners, Conrad here. Um, we are actually going to come back for part two of this episode. So stay tuned. Next week, we're going to drop part two. The discussion was just too detailed to actually fit it all in one episode. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. And come back on the feed next week to check out part two.